Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. I'm your host, Chris. Uh, with me this week, I have got Adam. Hello. How are you? I've, I'm trying to eat Maltesers, but the bag is falling everywhere. Oh, okay. It's starting to become a real problem. Can I tell you what I did with some Maltesers today, having seen this on Twitter yesterday? What's that? So, um, myself and my family, we got a, um, a tape measure and opened it out. You know, those sort of metal ones that roll up the DIY stores. So we yep. got one of those, we rolled it out uh, at the top of the stairs and we literally rolled a Malteser down the length of the tape measure to somebody's open mouth at the bottom. Honestly, mate, just go out for an extra 20 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> that passed a good... I won't, I won't tell anyone. <laughs> <laughs> that passed a good half an hour. Uh, right, we've got Scott. Hi. How are you? Uh, good. Been watching some vintage Gazetta football tally on YouTube today, so that's past the afternoon very well oh good lad i did derby days this afternoon very good yeah did Bresh- you enjoy it i did brescia atalanta very good uh justin Hello. sorry that was r2d2 i think justin turned into a robot <laughs> oh. let's try that again justin hello hello that's better how are you doing fine excellent and we got finally emma how are you I am very good, thank you. Cool, right. So we are still in the middle of COVID lockdown, um, possibly not too much longer. Um, And we are going through our nostalgic pieces as there is still no football for the time being. Um, And this week it is the turn of Emma. Uh, What is it you have chosen? I picked the 2006 Champions League final between Barcelona and Arsenal. Excellent. Are we all on board with this, guys? Is this one of our favourite of finals? Can we just clarify something I want to clarify really early on because I can't deal with him asking this question like in our house. <laughs> Where were you when this was this? That was my next I question. I was there. I knew the answer. I just requested <laughs> him. Okay. So you, yes, so you Chris, I was, I was sat behind the goal that we scored in. Okay. So we got that one. That's because it was in Paris, wasn't it? It was in Paris. Yeah. Excellent. Right, okay, so, uh, 2006 Champions League final. This is the first European Cup to feature finalists from London, um, which um, is quite extraordinary. Uh, Okay, so, uh, a new trophy as well for the 2006 final. Any idea why? Because Liverpool got to keep the last one. Exactly, because we win it five times. I'm glad somebody mentioned that. <laughs> okay, so Arsenal's route to the final. They finished top of Group B, uh, five points ahead of Ajax uh, and ahead of Thun of Switzerland and Sparta. They beat Real Madrid 1 0 in aggregate in the last 16, uh, Juventus 2 0 in aggregate in the quarters, and Villarreal 1 0 uh, in the semi final, famous for the um, Jens Lehmann save from Raquel May, which quite the penalty quite late on. That's quite a tough route to the final, isn't it, Justin? 
Yeah, not easy. No, no. Um, and, and, you know, previous Arsenal, you could argue better Arsenal sides in previous years had not successfully navigated uh, fixtures of, of that calibre. Yeah. Um, Adam, Villarreal in the Champions League? <laughs> is that the same season yes <laughs> okay uh, Barcelona's route to the final they uh, absolutely wallop group C so they finished on 16 points um, ahead of uh, Werder Bremen and Udinese both had 7 and Panathinaikos on 4 they beat Chelsea 3-2 in the uh, last 16 was that the one where at Stamford Bridge Ronaldinho had the ball on the edge of the box and sort of the ball stopped and he waggled his feet no that was the year before. Oh, uh, okay. Um, final they won 2 0 against Benfica and uh, they beat Milan 1 0 in the semi final. So, uh, Emma, how was your season up until that point with uh, with Barcelona? Uh, it was uh, interesting because they, we had the emergence of Messi, who was starting more big fixtures, and, uh, well, you know, Ronaldinho being Ronaldinho. I'm trying to remember. He'd been around for about 18 months or so, hadn't he, by the, that point, Lionel Messi? Uh, yeah, he started in 2005? Question yeah. mark. Something like that. Yeah, so he, he'd become more integral, had he? He'd only yeah, like he'd started, they started trusting him in big fixtures. He played the classical. Okay, sorry, Adam. And mu- you know, the... He'd only scored nine goals about later by the time the final came around. What a loser. <laughs> I'm just saying. In comparison to where he was and what what he's done since, like that's where where he's that's how early on he stands in his Barcelona career. Um, I seem to remember lots of people talking about this being some sort of purist final, Scott. Two uh, traditional football playing or passing teams um, managed by two quite progressive managers. Um, and then you see that midfield from Barcelona, and you're like, Ooh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, go on, let's but- do the. Van Bommel for Iniesta. Ooh. Let's do the lineups then. So, uh, Barcelona managed by Frank Reichard have Valdez in goal, uh, Giovanni Van Bronckhorst, Carlos Pio, Rafa Marquez, Emma, um, and <laughs> help me the pronunciation, Oliguer. 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 Who I hadn't heard of, but I looked up on Wikipedia afterwards. He's a fascinating character. So, um, midfield was Deco, Edmilson, Van Bommel, and up front was uh, Ronaldinho, Samieto, and Ludovic Juli, who I always loved as a player. Um, Arsenal managed by Arsenal Wenger had Jens Lehmann in goal, uh, Ibue Torre, uh, Sol Campbell and Ashley Cole in defence, Pires, Gilberto, Fabregas and Chleb in midfield, and then Lundberg playing just off Thierry Henry. Um, pretty decent teams. Would you say those two teams are pretty well matched up there, Justin? No, I wouldn't. Not particularly. No? No. I mean, you know, I'm being glib, but... Um... Barcelona is still a stronger 11 there and, and, and favourites for me going in uh, we'll get to how the match played out but but there's a few things you look at in that Arsenal side and, and the main thing for me is is Robert Pires who's a lovely player and fun to watch but he's a very much a front foot team player so if Arsenal have the ball um, and the, the superior opponent, then, then he's a player that can help you and, and create chances and all that. But is he going to do the work defensively? Is he going to keep his shape? Is he going to help Ubuli behind him? Not so sure. Yeah. Adam and Scott, what do you reckon to that? Is that pretty much how you saw it as well? That's pretty fair. Pretty fair assessment. I think that beyond the, beyond the Ronaldinho figure, that these teams are quite, quite fairly matched. I mean, that's a big, big difference that Arsenal do not have a player 
to match the sort of calibre of Ronaldinho. But beyond that, I don't think there's an awful lot in the teams. I mean, Henri was no chump, was he? Yeah, no, but, but, uh, but Henri surely more of a... Um, if you're comparing the teams, more of a, a straight swap for Eto, right? Yeah, OK, yeah, yeah. I was going to say, is this the same Ronaldinho who is sort of on the decline at this time? Yeah. But Arsenal's midfield, Fabregas, Gilberto and Pires. Well, Gilberto... This is before the decline, right? This is, the, this is the... He was on the way down, for sure. This is the end. This is the, the swan song that sort of... Uh, the, the glory that him and Deco and everyone start getting fat on in the next season. <clears throat> I think if you listen to Tim Vickery, Ronaldinho is already enjoying himself in Barcelona maybe a bit too much at this mm-hmm. point. <laughs> Um, but no, I'm sorry, I was looking at um, yeah, I was looking at Henri and then sort of the midfield two of Fabregas and Gilberto, um, Campbell and Torrey defence are aren't bad. I don't, I don't think it's too wacko to say that they, they were close together these teams, is it? Back four for Arsenal was is pretty decent. Yeah, do you reckon? Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I, Ashley Cole was maybe not not the most match fit at that point because I think that. To that point in the, it was touch and go whether he was going to play because I think Flamini had been playing in his place in that because he'd had a he had an injured season. Yeah, gotcha. Flamini at left back, totally forgot. Yeah. <laughs> uh, referee was uh, Tom Henning of Rabo, um, who received death threats earlier on in the tournament. Anyone remember how or why he received death threats? I I don't think he was. That was Mourinho, wasn't it? Yeah. He he wasn't the referee. Chris, I'm sure he wasn't. Was he not? No, you're, you, she's right. He was the fourth official. Okay, maybe I read it wrong. He was, I, I read it on Wikipedia. He was the uh, referee that sent off Asia del Horno um, for a foul on Messi earlier on in the tournament. Which was, from what I remember, was down by the fullback position, wasn't it, in front of the shed? Oh, is that when Messi done about 10 rolls? Yes, Mourinho accused Messi of diving. It's, it still wasn't him. Is it not? Okay. Hager. Yeah, I was trying to try and not botch the surname. Oh, okay, fair <laughs> enough. Um, okay, Emma, so um, you were at this game. What was your sort of feelings about this fixture? Were you pretty confident or were you a usual bag of nerves? It was my first ever Champions League final. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. First of how many? <laughs> First of how First many? Of three. First of three. <laughs> okay. Um, and yeah, so you were pretty... Um... Yeah, and I just moved to Paris like the year before. And had you? I was like, yeah. Yeah, I had. And I was like 18. Um, and I was I was super excited because I had not been to like, you know, the grand... Because we'd not, you know, been there since... <laughs> 1992 yeah um yeah and i was really nervous because um i thought that brl were a really good team because Riquelme was incredible and arsenal were pretty lucky to beat them so you know if they've got the luck to beat a good team like brl then you know one off occasion why can they turn us over yeah okay so what's the atmosphere like so um you get there early, or did you sort of wander in there, everybody else? Yeah, I got there pretty early because uh, I was too excited. <laughs> <laughs> I 
Fair enough. Are you getting more and more nervous as it was coming up to kick off for you? Yeah, I could barely look at the pitch when the whistle went. I was like, no, no, this is this is <laughs> this isn't good. Okay, fair enough. Right, okay, so uh Puyol and um Henri Captain shake hands, exchange penance, game kicks off. So Arsenal they start pretty comfortably and their first attack they sort of build it down their left and then a buoy like low cross um finds Henri and he sort of turns in front of Rafa Marquez, doesn't he? And he's then through straight at Valdez, but he, he hits it straight at Valdez's legs, doesn't he? Rafael Marquez is turning like a ship at this point. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, but that was a Don't glorious chance. Don't disrespect the legend. <laughs> he played in like three World Cups since, I think. Yeah, but yeah, he played in the last World Cup. <laughs> yeah, he retired when he was like 40, I think. So 12 years later, he's still playing in World Cups. <laughs> <laughs> that um, says a lot about Mexico's defence. The straight up answer is is Messi in Messi. Is Omri should score here. Yes. Yes. It's not and I can't, I can't imagine this is doing anything for for a, a young Emma's nerves at this point. <laughs> no, we really didn't. In fact, I'm gonna to go to our goalkeeping correspondent, um Justin, and say did Henri miss or did Valdez do the right thing in charging straight out? Yeah, well, both, but um it's a good save. Valdez gets off his line quickly. There's a covered defender coming in that's forcing Henri to, to reach for this just a little bit. And so I think Valdez recognizes that, gets off his line fast and spreads himself. Should he finish? Yeah, but it's it's not the worst miss, really, because uh, that's that, that covering defender is forcing him to stretch for it just that little bit. And it, it, there's not a lot to aim for with Valdez getting off his line. Okay. Can we talk about, can we talk about Victor Valdez's hair as well, which I've forgotten? Yeah. 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 Same for Iniesta it's as immaculate. well. It's immaculate <laughs> yeah. at this stage. Uh, and the resulting lustrous hair. <laughs> the resulting corner, uh, Valdez again makes a save, doesn't he? From Rhys, sort of beats away the shot from the edge of the area. He does pretty well with that. Um, and then Barcelona have their attack. A little bit. Julie robs uh, Cole of the ball, Ashley Cole of the ball, and he's sort of runs towards the goal, but his shot is sort of straight at Layman's sort of neck or throat, isn't it? And he sort of manages to save it. I, I quite like Ludovic Julie. He was a very good player, wasn't he? I used to love him. Yeah. So did I. He went to Rome in the season after. Oh, did he? Brilliant. Yeah. Okay, yeah. He was excellent. Um, and then a sort of similar thing a few minutes later from Deco, wasn't it? That was a sort of... I think Ed Milson won the ball, um, who laid it to Deco about 25 yards out, and then sort of shot straight down the throat of Lehman again, didn't he? So how are you feeling at this point? Your game's on and you think we're doing uh, all right? Or... Yeah, a bit better. Like, it settled into a rhythm and... We weren't exactly, you know, we weren't doing badly, but Arsenal definitely should have scored before. Yeah. Arsenal, Arsenal's the better team at this point. Yes. Mm. Yeah, they were, arguably. Do you reckon they set up better as well? Arsenal. Yes. <laughs> before it went before it went slightly pear-shaped, probably about a couple <laughs> minutes later. Well, Wikipedia had got their formation as some sort of four-four-one-one, whereas Barca's was a sort of four-three-three with Ed Milson laying deeper, just in front of the back four. Well, this was Ed Milson who was in, at the end of his career. Yeah, I am, I am shocked that Barcelona under a Dutch coach are playing. Yeah. <laughs> shocked, <laughs> I am mortified. Uh, and then we come to possibly the main key moment of the game. So Ronaldinho, a very nice Ronaldinho through ball. Um, towards Eto and Jens Lehmann dashes off his line um, towards the sort of the edge of his D, doesn't he? Uh, and Eto tries to round him, but is 
clip by Lehman, uh, referee blows his whistle, Ludovic Julie slots home. Clipped. Clipped is a very generous temper grabbed by the ankle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then uh, referee blows his whistle, but after which Julie fires in. So we're all agreeing it was a foul, yeah? Yeah, it was a yeah. foul. Justin, what would he have been thinking? He well, he was, uh, <laughs> yeah, he, he was, I, I think as he came off his line, he was hoping he could win the ball or at least get there at the same time. And it's a 50-50 and he, it's a tackle. Um, but obviously he does not, he's late. And so, you know, it's, it's funny because Lehman was at an age already at this point, he would have grown up under different laws of the game. This, this in the seventies and eighties would just be a free kick at the top of the box. It wouldn't have been a sending off. Um, that, that came into the game a little bit later and, uh, for, for old, he? My... <laughs> he was in towards his mid thirties, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. Was yeah. he really? Yeah. yeah. I, I, because because obviously, this summer he then goes into the the battle at which he wins for the the uh, national team place at the World Cup. I think of him as being like a an heir apparent to Oliver Kahn and not someone who's clearly <laughs> nearly as old as. He's fifty years old. He's, he's 50 right now, so, so yeah. It's yeah. kind of like Chris Woods and Peter Shilton, wasn't it, for all that time? Yeah, right. He did a, a long apprenticeship. So, um, but again, he, he would have been hoping to get there a little sooner. And and then as the touch as it's touched past him, his his instinct is just to to, to bring the player down. Um, you know, bring Eto down rather than allow a goal. Um, in the end, it. It's. I know we're going to discuss this for a little while about what's better. Everyone agrees. I remember at the time, everyone felt like the referee got this wrong and he should have allowed play to go on and allow the goal. Um, but if I'm not mistaken, I think at the time, if the referee is giving a red card for an offense, he can't play on. He has to actually stop play at that moment if he's sending a player off. I know they've changed that. They may have already been by then, but I do remember yeah. the discussion around this at the time where everyone felt the referee got it wrong, and yeah. then some people said, hang on, he actually had no choice, really, as the laws are written at that time. If he's giving it, if he's sending a player off, there's no play yeah, on. no advantage from a red card. Yeah. Whereas a, a, modern, a modern interpretation of that rule would have, ha the, the, would have been a goal. Um, yeah, yeah. So... I um I obviously know quite a lot of Arsenal fans and I so I reached out to a, a couple of them uh, for some thoughts on this because I was very aware that we were going to be severely lacking in balance. Um, <laughs> um, one of so one of the one of the Arsenal fans that I re reached out to at this point actually said that he thinks that the sending off was the best outcome for Arsenal at this point because this was a team that had a Champions League run that was built on defence. And I think he mentioned, he, was, uh, he wasn't he was sure if he was right, but he mentioned the idea that he thinks that they were on a run of like 10 consecutive Champions League clean sheets or something. Or no, just not Champions League, just 10 consecutive clean sheets before the final. So this was an Arsenal team that could defend, but they were better off level than they were being one down. Okay. I think that's always the case. I mean, you hate to, to play with 10, but I think I would rather play with 10 for 70 minutes than than go a goal down. So given, given what you you were mentioning when we were talking about the starting lineup, then, Justin, so I would guess 
from from those comments that you were would be completely behind the idea of, of Pires being the man to be sacrificed at this point because of yeah, no, what's of his absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's look. I don't want to diminish him by calling him a luxury player, uh, but if you go down a man and you look at that the eleven that Arsenal have on the pitch, he's absolutely the one that has to come off. And the amazing thing to me about this is he never forgave Wenger for this ever. Apparently, to this day, he still hasn't. You're not going to take Gilberto off. Gilberto runs and tackles, same as Haleb. Fabregas is maybe more like Perez, but you're going to you're not taking him up. It's got to be Perez. So it's it's funny to me. Um, I understand that the self belief and confidence of of top flight players at that level, you obviously feel like it's a mistake to to come off the field any at any point. But I don't see any other option. He's got to go. Could you take Lundberg off and go on four four one? I think again he defends from the front so well. Um, you, you know, you, look, you're he looks like he's a work rate player, isn't he? Mm. Yeah, um, I think. And I think that Seth. Um, this was really a uh, an all action Seth Fabregas. You don't think of it. This is a player who has is only sort of three uh, quarter quarter final away from having just absolutely bossed Patrick Vieira over two legs in a sort of Air apparent sort of handing of the torch in there, the tie against Juve. Um, he he was very really a uh, an all action player at this point in his career. In defence of Robert Perez, that was his last game for Arsenal, and it lasted twelve minutes mm. in front of his family in Paris. So I can understand why he wasn't happy about that. I, I will only be- only because it. you. Only because you hilariously called Chris out on his inaccuracies, Emma, I'm going to point out it was the 18th minute. Right on, Justin. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, uh, Scott, lots of foreign types in Barcelona shirts running up to the referee and waving imaginary red cards. Were you happy with it being a sending off? It was a sending off. Wasn't happy with, what was it, Rafa Marquez, uh, Ed Milson, Carlos Poyo was put them all, all away. Yeah, it was a red, but didn't like the histrionics of that. Yeah, yeah. Emma, you foreign lot with your histrionics. Do it. <laughs> <laughs> what was your view in the stadium then? Did you do you have a good view of what happened? Uh, no, not really, because it was at the other end of the pitch. <laughs> okay, but you couldn't sort of see how I don't know how high up you were, so you couldn't sort of see. No, no, really couldn't see um, if there was much contact at all. Yeah. Uh, for anyone who watches who's watching this back at any point, one question that I'm probably going to have to take to my grave is the second Lundberg, um, not Lundberg, sorry, the second Lehman, um pulls him down, Ashley Cole puts his hand up to appeal for something, and I want to know what. <laughs> <laughs> A dive? Uh, Maybe. Who knows? Who knows? Yeah, he, he, you're right. He, uh, I'm watching it now. He seems to feel he's got a case for something. Yeah. <laughs> I can only imagine he thought that he's sort of appealing that Eto died or something. It wasn't a free kick. Well, then it's a goal. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, right. So the resulting... So, uh, yeah, so Robert Pires goes off. Uh, Manuel Amunia comes on. Um, the resulting free kick uh, goes just wide by Ronaldinho, doesn't it? But the thing I was watching this, and there's another free kick later on, is this little game of cat and mouse that Ashley Cole has... Um, through trying to stand on the goal line and defend the line and yeah. not play the yeah. entire Barcelona team on the side. That was good fun. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, he got away with it as well, for the most part. Well, he did. He did it again later on in the second half as well. He did. Um, yeah, okay. Is that, is that because Ronaldinho always, I think, used to go low with his free kicks? Well, I think, he scored a, I think he scored a few in that season. I think it was against Werder Bremen when he hit it under the wall. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah, he did do that. Um, I just think it, that he was very skilled with a dead ball, so he was trying to help uh, his goalkeeper defend the side that the wall should be covering. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. Um, okay, so uh, Ronaldinho then plays a wonderful three ball through um, yeah. Ludovic Juli, who's uh, through on goal, and then Ashley Cole with a tremendous covering tackle. Um, it's almost like with all his brilliant playing, pe- not playing people on side and doing all this, <laughs> that he's the best left back at the world at this point. I was going to say, so this is peak Ashley Cole uh, wags, cheating on Cheryl and shooting um, interns in the training ground. Uh, and this no, is that was at Chelsea. That was at Chelsea. Okay, so we just okay, but this is the point where he's being tapped up by Mourinho, isn't it? Um, he's about to find his Ferrari into a tree for not getting sixty grand a week. Yeah, so he's, he was never no, the most, only getting sixty grand a week. Yeah. Only getting six. Yeah, he was never the most popular of players, was he? But what do you guys think to him? I'm well, particularly I'm, Scott I'm, and Adam. I'm, sorry, I'm not racist, so I think that he's brilliant. <laughs> Scott, what do you think? <laughs> yeah, he's. <laughs> He's a wonderful player. No, he, he was a little bit troubled. I think the tapping up situation didn't help him at all. And I think he got called out for it unfairly over it sometimes. But I think the way the media portrayed him after this wasn't great. Yeah, no, that's why I mentioned all the Chelsea stuff. Because I'm sort of looking back on his sort of legacy and career and but, wondering that bit. But... This and in the World Cup, I think he was England's best player in the World Cup. 2006 he was, definitely. Yes. Yeah. Justin, sorry, what were you going to say? Great player. Um, he's just one of those players that gets singled out, uh, I think, because of his... Skin colour. This, 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 <laughs> yeah, that, obviously. But, but look, let's, we can talk about other players of the same skin colour that will never happen to because they have... And I don't mean, again, I, I'm going to sound glib. He doesn't have a pleasant face. He's always, it looks like he's always complaining and moaning on the pitch, which is a weird complaint that people have about players because they obviously want to win. So even the laugh we're having about him with the referee after the red card, he, players are going to, to state their case. But something about Ashley Cole's face, and, and you could say the same about Gary Neville too. I think a lot of people felt this way about Gary Neville. It, it, just always having a moan. But Gary Neville was, was at least we can all agree ugly, as opposed to Ashley Carl. True, yes, that's true. You're right. You're right. And then obviously some of it is he he was you know he's a black player. He's successful. He made a lot of money, and he was part of that first group of players that were singled out as being flash and cash above substance. The inconvenient truth is that his substance was fantastic. Okay, uh, right. So now we get on to the first goal. So Emmanuel Ibue, uh really down the right hand side. Get... Sent off. Ibue? Yeah, he high kicked. Uh, you think that this is this is the um, the tackle he on got booked oh. for it? No, this is the one where this is where Puyol gives the foul away. Um, yeah, but I think before I think it might be before then he puts a very high leg in on uh, on I think it's on Van Bronckhorst. Yeah. So, Oh, does he, he got booked for it. He got a yellow card for it. He should have got a red card because okay. it was dangerous. <laughs> and harms one of your pretty little boys. 
Okay, so uh, free kick on the right hand side. Um, Sol Campbell. I will, say, I will say that this is never a free kick. No, Peter, so. Peter Drury in the commentary. Peter Drury again. Uh, on the commentary said it was a soft free kick as well. Um, Dude, well, that was happening, wasn't it? <laughs> uh, cross comes in um, and Sol Campbell manages to lose Olga and uh, head into the top corner. Terrible marking. So, so another of my friends, um, Andy, was talking to me about this, who is um, actually also a listener, so shout out to Andy. Hi, Andy. Uh, so he said Sorry, that, Andy. And, and I completely <laughs> agree I completely agree with him. I couldn't remember where I was watching this game. Um, but he, his instant reaction as Sol Campbell scored that goal was, <laughs> This is going to get disallowed because this is what happens to Sol Campbell. Sol Campbell. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I remember having the exact same feeling. Good <laughs> things don't happen to Sol Campbell. Yeah. Emma, that was down your end, wasn't it? Yeah, got a good view of it. Yeah. She really powered it in. <laughs> was she swearing in Catalan straight afterwards? Of course. Yeah. <laughs> He's a great header. It is really a great header. Yeah. Yeah. This, this is can, can I just say this is one of the goals I always use as an example as to why man marking at set pieces is 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 not flawless. People are so <laughs> quick to pounce on on zonal marking, but this cross is played into the most dangerous area, and there's only one Barcelona player tasked with the responsibility of dealing with it. And there's there's a little bit of of cross traffic from a couple of other Arsenal players, and it frees up Campbell, and it's, he attacks it beautifully. But it's in an area where if you watch before the ball is played in, there isn't anybody there. Um, in a zonal system, you'd have you put your two or three best headers of the ball right in that, right at the top of the six-yard box, and they could attack it forward. Instead, everyone's chasing it back towards the Barcelona goal, and and there's no really not much chance once once Campbell gets the jump. Excellent. Um, Alaguer did not have a good game. No, he, he didn't. Did he? Really nervous. He did. I was also going to say. I was going to say this was. Wasn't this just a few months after Campbell walked off the pitch against West Ham at half time? I don't remember that. What happened there? Uh, did you miss the same season? I think so, yeah. Right, I've got an excellent story, but I'm not prepared to tell on the podcast. Oh! Because it, the, it's, no, because it's just I'm not, I'm not going to slander the man, but supports my fans did that. I'll tell the story at the end. Okay. Uh, so, so Arsenal were losing against West Ham 2-0. They lost the game 2-1. He walked off the pitch at half-time, walked out the stadium. Oh, right. I don't remember that at all. Yeah. Um, okay, so Arsenal are in the lead. Um, and then we've got one more piece of action really before half-time, which is uh, Ronaldinho uh, stops the sort of ball on the edge of the box with his tricky little foot and then plays in... Samueletto turns and shoots, uh, and the ball goes. Well, at first sight, the ball sort of cracks onto the post, but it's only in slow motion. You see, this is a tremendous save by Almunia. Yeah, um, yeah that is a. You look at it the first first glance. I just thought, oh, Eto's absolutely wasted a, a guilt edge chance there, and then you look at it back and you think, no, Almunia's done done great there. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, so half time comes, Emma. How are you feeling? Uh, disappointed. Yeah, beyond but... dis- they must be beyond disappointed because at this point, you're you're Barcelona in a Champions League final who have this huge inferiority complex about the European Cup. <laughs> <laughs> and like it's it's well established, right? But at this point, Barcelona fans have this feeling that the European Cup is just a trophy that you guys don't win, as opposed to yeah, we, as opposed to Real Madrid. We, 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 we thought nice it wasn't fun. for us. 
was the 91 final was like 92 has slayed some of those demons but we're, we're now 14 years later you still haven't won another European Cup you're 1-0 down like yeah you can't um, be feeling anywhere near positive even with 11 men no we were not feeling good but we did have 11 men and if we could play like we were capable of we were pretty sure we could kind of you know grind them down with our constant possession and but yeah we were we were pretty despondent really i i have a question for justin um as someone who hasn't has book yet hasn't arrived so i can't have read it like chris's mistake last time justin <laughs> i you probably should have asked this earlier have you ever been in a situation like armenia where you've had to come on and how difficult is it it's it's the absolute worst um I had to do it not in a Champions League final, obviously, but it's it's goalkeeping is just not uh, well suited to coming off the bench. You, you don't get anywhere near the warm-up you'd like to get, um, and the game has started. If an outfield player, think of it this way, if an outfield player comes into the game, even early, even unexpectedly, they immediately can get into the action. They can immediately get involved, and as a goalkeeper, you come in cold. The game's already got a flow to it and then you may not be involved for six or eight or ten or twelve minutes of that game you so you you continue to wait to get integrated into the flow of the play so it, it's something i'm always watching as just as a, as a fan now anytime there's a substitute goalkeeper that comes into the game i always sort of shake my head and think i'm glad that's not me because i suppose you can't warm up on the side of the pitch in the same way because there's a ball might can't go onto the the pitch while the game is in play and it's that's not an effective warm up anyway. I mean, you, you need you need to be in the goal, being put through the uh, the whole range of the kind of motions and, and uh, things that are going to happen to you in the match. So, and normally um, when you're even if you're even the substitute goalkeeper would spend most of the warm up warming up the number one goalkeeper, right? Would be one of the yeah you putting crosses you do, and shots. Right, you do. Um, you, you get your work in. You get some work in if you've got a if you're at a decent level and there's a goalkeeper coach. But it's still it's still a difficult thing for goalkeepers to do. Okay, right. End of half time. Uh, and Andres Iniesta comes on as a sub for um, Ed Nielsen. Um, and straight back in the action in the second half. Deco's got a sort of long range effort that Armunio is comfortable in in collecting down low. Um, and then Iniesta, he has a sort of turn running shot, doesn't he? That was a lovely piece of work, that was. Uh, it doesn't come to anything, but um, it's a sort of, maybe a sort of glimpse of what's going to come later on in the game. Were you happy with Iniesta coming on? Was he sort of established enough then, Emma? Uh, I was very happy to see him, not just because he's my favourite footballer of all time, but, and he even was then, because he, he was amazing. Um, no, he gave us exactly what we needed. Credit to uh, Reichardt, he did make three of the most influential substitutions in a Champions League final. As opposed to, you, you've heard of Ditty Hamann, right? <laughs> um, oh yeah, sorry, I forgot about that. <laughs> Iniesta's, Iniesta's 21, can we talk about his hair? Yes. Hair. Curly hair. Hardly. <laughs> You can you can tell that hair does not want to stick around for much longer. <laughs> it did, and it was what three years max before. <laughs> and he's wearing twenty four as well, so he's only brand new to the game. Messi must have still been wearing nineteen at this point because Ronaldinho is still there, isn't he? Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, and then Van Bommel is subbed off for Henrik Larsson as he comes on, and then Barcelona wants penalty as um, 
Ludovic Gilles sort of crosses from a similar place that Ibuwa crossed for the first for the first goal, um, and it sort of goes into Torre's midriff. Um, Barcelona is sort of screaming for a penalty, which which doesn't come, um, and then Cesc Fabregas uh, robs sort of Puyol on the halfway line down by the dugouts. When you sort of listen carefully, you can hear Puyol give a sort of squeal as he's robbed. Um, and then he passes in field to Henri, uh, who then sort of lays the ball off right to Alexander Kleb, who has a sort of poor shot because that went smashed low straight into the advertising hoardings. Um, and then Puyol, who's, you know, been sort of done on the left once, enjoys it so much, he gets done again by Henri, who then sort of skips past Rafa Marquez as well, but he sort of overruns the ball, which goes straight to Victor Valdez. So even though they're a man down, they're sort of still... Still in this game, aren't they? I was watching this thinking maybe this could be one of those games. That is a huge sliding doors moment. Yes. So. Oh, no, at, I think at, the sliding doors moment comes later on. At, at this point, Henri is possibly the best player in the world. You you would expect, expect an awful lot from the two chances that he's had that you'd have put a lot of money and every one of the Arsenal fans I spoke to is convinced, like, he should score at this point. It should be 2-0. And this is the moment where they, they lose the Champions League. I've got a sliding doors moment in about a minute. Scored. Second, uh, Emma? Even we were surprised he hadn't scored at least one of the chances that he had. Yeah. Okay. He missed a, he missed a horrible one a bit later on, but... The sliding doors moment. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. We'll come on to that in a second. <laughs> he, that was a brilliant run, because he did Poyo. Him and Poyo had a... An ongoing battle in that game, along with Judy and Cole, um, but he he sort of overran it, and they sort of went into Valdez, and Valdez. Did oh not... yeah! Wow! You just see the look of Omri's face of just disdain. What? What's your problem? <laughs> uh, yeah, Freddie Lundberg then sort of shoots high and wide for Valdez, who then tips over, and then this is the sliding doors moment, I think. Um, Alexander Hleb plays in. Um... Henri, who sort of shrugs off the sort of t- the challenge of uh, Marquez, um, but the shot—I mean, he's literally one on one, isn't he? Uh, with just Valdez oh, to be. Apologies, Chris. I might be talking about this moment. Yeah. So he's yeah. on the right hand side, and he's 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 already turned Rafa Marquez, and Marquez is struggling to make up the ground, and he's literally just got Valdez to beat, uh, yeah. and he hits it straight at him, which is very unreal. Like I watched it back in slow motion, he sort of side footed it, didn't he? Sort of straight towards him. We, we agree. We I've made a mistake. We agree on the sliding doors moment. Yeah. Um, nine times out of ten, you would see him netting that bottom corner. Yeah, and when you when you add that to the chance that he had in the first five minutes. Yeah, when he rolled the defender. The fact he's not on the score sheet here is. Uh, it's the reason Arsenal don't win this match. Yes. No, no, definitely. Um, Justin, what does Valdez have to do there to put Henri off? Because he's, like we just said, he's pretty much guaranteed to, to score at this point, isn't he? Because he's Thierry Henri. He, if, you, if you watch it, Valdez actually gambles um, and, and covers to his right as Henri is in his motion to, to finish. So but that's the that's the expected finish across the goalkeeper. He, he took a bit of a gamble because if Henri had decided to slot it near post, it would have gone in. Um, so, so you know, Valdez is playing the odds here. Um, and it's, keep in mind for what's about to happen at the other end, it's not a decision without some merit. You know, the, the numbers are in his favor. The chances are the shot's going across him. And in, in Valdez's case, he's, he's correct. Now, it, he doesn't really need to in the end because Henri doesn't put a shot anywhere near the corner. But um, Valdez was gambling that he was going to, and so he was already covering to his right. 
Okay. Uh, Emily, your heart in your mouth at this point? Yeah. Um, I fully expected Thierry, when we saw him running in like that, we thought, oh, he's going to score. Why wouldn't he score? Mm. Um, he kind of... Um, he fluffed his big moment, didn't he? He mm. kind of... I don't want to say he he bottled the final, but... He kind of did a bit, didn't he? Do you think a young Gonzalo Higuain is watching this game thinking, I want to be Thierry Henry? <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> just, just remember, I think it was 10 days beforehand, didn't he score a hat-trick on the final day of the season to get Arsenal into the Champions League for the following season. Oh, did he? It was a final game at Highbury. Oh, okay, fine. Yes, it was a final game. I remember the name of the 06. Um, and then uh, Julian Abletti comes on for um, Olgier. Thank God he's gone for pitch. Yeah, let's say his bloody name again. Tell me a little bit about him, actually, because he's fascinating, isn't he, Emma? Yes, he is a very big pro-independent uh, guy, and he refused to play for the Spanish national team on the grounds that he was... Catalan. Was he good enough to get in there? Yeah, they called him up, but he said no. Okay. Um, God, his his opinions of Gerard Piquet must be... Whoops. <laughs> <laughs> Gerard Piquet was, you know, he says he's doing it for Catalonia to prove that Catalans are the best. He's trying to win from the inside. Okay. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Olegao, he writes um, like political thesis now. Yeah, and when he was he's with Ajax... crazy. When he was with Ajax, he tried to, he sort of helped squat or something, didn't he? That was about to be closed down. Yeah. He's, he's Is he currently like a political prisoner? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he might be. <laughs> uh, okay, all right, and then we've got the equaliser. So a, a quick shout out for Iniesta for this pass on the ground to Henry Larson. No, it deserves more than that. It's it's the dummy from it. Doesn't Larson dummy it? No, he gently yeah, touches it. Ah. Like a neck. Yeah. But that pass from Iniesta is one of my favourite moments in football. Okay. I think it's, I think the whole move is beautiful. The way he he passes it, the way Larson just flicks it on, and then the finish. I think it's incredible. Yeah, and then the little touch from Larson takes out, I think, Abui and Campbell, I think, doesn't it? Yeah. Uh... The Henrik, we, we still call it the Henrik Larson final. Oh, do you? Okay. Yeah, we do. Okay. He is, he is a cult hero at Barcelona because of that final. Oh, is he? Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, and then Samieto comes through and uh, smashes it in at the near post, Justin. Yeah, not a big deal that it's the near post. Um, doesn't really matter whether it was to Almunia's right or left. The issue, if you watch it again, is he's expecting Eto to hit this first time with his left foot. So as Eto takes that touch with his left, Almunia's covering across to his far post, just buckled a little bit. He's just committed to go to his left. Eto instead pulls it back onto his right foot, and now Almunia's actually off balance. He actually puts his left hand down to steady himself and try to regain his feet. He never really quite does. As Eto is is shooting, Almunia's body Almunia's body shape is is no good. Definitely not what you would want. Um, but there is a gap there at the near post. There would have been anyway um, for Eto to finish, and he finishes it really well. And so, you know, he's only about four yards from Almunia. It's, I know everyone says near post, near post, but 
there's there's space to shoot at and he did and he found it and so it's a goal. yeah the conventional thing to do is for Eto to take it first time the fact he took it to touch was fantastic thinking because yeah, you're, you're not and, sure and if he's again, got time to take the touch and kick it especially running it out fast yeah it's a great finish yeah uh okay so one one emma game on mm-hmm. you're thinking nothing can go wrong now yeah game on um, Adam and so Scott. One of the, beyond Game On, one of the Arsenal fans I was speaking to, um, Will actually went, was at the game as well. Um, so at this point, he knew that they'd lost. I was just going to say this, uh, ask that same question to you guys. I kind of thought that. Uh, I always thought the Arsenal defence was a little bit flaky under Wenger, but the longer they were keeping it out, I wondered if the more this game. I just isn't the first name of a fullback you're going to put down, is it? Um, there's always a weak link somewhere. Uh, I mean, the goal came from his side as well. But um, I, I kind of thought the longer this game was going on, the more it, the Barcelona... Goal, we just talked about how great Ashley Cole is. Well, yeah, the longer, the longer this game went on as Arsenal winning, I kind of thought the more that maybe Barcelona are thinking it's not going to be our day and maybe it gets into their head. But as soon as this equaliser went in, like your mate, I thought, this is it. Did you both think the same? Yeah. Yeah. By this point, Emma, it's, we've got to like, is that 70, how, how many minutes? 75, I think. 75. Yeah. So at 74 minutes, considering all we've said about Barcelona's illustrious history of the European Cup at this point, how, what is the mood in the in the Barcelona end? Uh, yeah, we were not convinced we were going to get an equaliser, let alone a winner. We just... We did kind of think uh, it's just going to be one of those days again. This we don't have the luck that Real Madrid get when they are in this final. Very <laughs> <laughs> Franco was a Barca fan. It had it had also started torrential raining by then as mm. well. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. We, we is that what that was? Really I thought it was um, <laughs> some of the video I was watching because it wasn't the best quality. I thought that was flare smoke because I really noticed it after the goal. No. Uh, there were flares in the crowd though as well. Yeah. With a mix of flares and torrential rain, it it absolutely bucketed down. It was it was crazy. Torrential rain HD looks fantastic, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Scott, you were gonna say that did you think this was over as soon as Barca scored, did you? This is it they're gonna Yeah, I sort of feel as Adam was saying, you sort of felt that the bubble was about to burst. Yeah. And I thought as as one was happening, you sort you thought uh oh, there could be another one coming just a couple of minutes later. Yeah, there was kind of a sort of inevitability about it. As they were getting, they were retreating further, further back. It was literally four, a little gap, another four, and then Omri about on his own on the halfway line. Yeah, I mean, could you imagine Arsenal if they made it to extra time with ten men? How they would have sort of played in extra time? I mean, there was sort of te- like a, bit, a wall of ten people on the goal line. Wouldn't eight, it? it'd be eight, not one. <laughs> Uh, okay, and then we didn't have to wait too long for the winner. So um, I kind of got confused with what happened. So it's, it's sort of Belletti to Larson, back to Belletti, wasn't it? Who sort of loses Freddie Lundberg in his run um, and smashes the ball, hits Almunia in the legs and near sort of post. bounces into the goal. Near post again. <laughs> yeah. Um, this is wonderful play, isn't it? By Barcelona. Henry yes. Larson final. Yeah, yeah the Henry Larson. <laughs> This is the goal that makes uh, Julian Belletti the answer to so many uh, 
Which is pointless, pointless questions. Yeah. Yeah, it was his first and only goal for Barcelona. Wow, what's that? Um, so, Justin, is this another goalkeeping error from Armenia? Uh, I know you, that because at this point, I think in hindsight, the Arsenal fans I'm speaking to, there's a, there is a degree of, I don't want to use the word blame, but uh, there is some finger pointing at least towards Armenia's uh, performance of those two two events. Um, you'd, you'd you'd want this one saved, yeah. I'm sure in his heart of hearts he would he would feel like it. It's it's Chris will tell you. I mean, he he goes in goal. It's it's not easy if it's smashed right in between your feet like this. Um, but uh, this is also a shot from an angle, even even from a range. It's, he's, he's very close and he hits it hard. But we we see goalkeepers make this save pretty regularly. In fact, a lot of goalkeepers now. Uh, are coached to, to use their legs to make this save with very little movement. You're not going down. You're not falling onto your back. You just sort of make a sort of barrier shape and let it hit you and then get organized for the corner. So I, I wouldn't, uh, you know, in my most sympathetic take is that I can understand why it has gone in. But if I'm an Arsenal supporter, I'd like to have seen it saved. Was legs too far apart? No, don't think so. Okay. Um, Emma, so how are you feeling at this point? I will be honest with you. I do not remember what happened the last, like, 12 minutes of the match. <laughs> <laughs> because I was jumping up and down and singing at the top of my voice. I did not pay any attention to what was happening. Oh, really? You went sort of biting your nails and oh, gnashing your crazy. teeth or anything? Yeah. Okay. We, we didn't the hymn sings. We cool. didn't think that they had any chance of coming back. We thought we we were convinced we'd broken them. That goal had broken them, so we went nuts. It was a crisis. I'm, ama- I'm amazed. I'm amazed by that. I'm amazed by that level of confidence. Because as a neutral watching it, I agree. I, the The match was won. Yeah. But if it's my team, if if it's <laughs> my side that I'm supporting, there's absolutely yeah. no way. Uh, it, it takes about it takes a three goal lead for me to feel that way with with <laughs> oh, about 15 no, minutes to go that's worse right like well because we then you could about, throw it all away yeah, yeah as yeah. we talked about last week scott yeah <laughs> how, did, how did that end up in the end <laughs> having three goal leads not good for us one <laughs> happy anniversary Emma. all right <laughs> thanks chris <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, um, final whistle, and uh, Barcelona have won the double. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I seem to remember when you were talking earlier on about sort of being the smaller team to, well, not you didn't say smaller team before you sh- shout at me to Real Madrid. I seem to remember David Beckham uh, oh, at the end smaller. of smaller. Get out of town, Chris. No, stop talking. That is. <laughs> no, I seem to remember. I seem to remember. <laughs> I seem to remember David Beckham in 2003. It was, you know, it, it was fairly obvious he was going to leave Manchester United. And Juan Laporta, who was running for presidency of Barcelona, said, I will get David Beckham to Barcelona if you make me president. And of course, Barcelona didn't get Champions League that season and he went to Real Madrid. So uh, it what must have... Yeah, really? You wouldn't have fancied him? No, because all they did was take set pieces. Oh. Didn't, didn't Barcelona and take crosses. Run, yeah. We have no reason for a man who could just take crosses. Yeah, I thought they'd already signed Ronaldinho in 2002 after the World Cup. Uh, Okay, fine. Um, And I think you're adding a bit of hindsight there. I'm not convinced that the Champions League was 
Champions League football, at least, was the same draw that it is now. I think players. No, it wasn't. I think players would have been more. Ha- there was an, an, an essence of playing for a club as big as Barcelona would have uh, covered for the fact that they weren't in the Champions League that one specific season. All right. Um, quick yes or no from all of you. Were Barcelona? Were Arsenal unlucky? Yes, Arsenal. Arsenal played very well in this game. Yeah. Uh, and I think that. I think this is a. I hadn't watched it back. I think it was a really good game, um, much better than the dross that Scott <laughs> made me watch last week. <laughs> Scott Russell, Mickey. Yeah, I thought they defended pretty well. I thought they set up really well after the sending off, and I think the first goal was the killer. Yeah. And you sort of felt when Barcelona scored, that was their opening, yeah. and it sort of deflated them. Justin. They played well, and it could have gone their way on another day. I, I, I'm hesitant to use the word unlucky because there wasn't anything that happened individually that was down to chance. Ari um, missed his opportunities. Amunia, whether he should have or did, should not have, he, he didn't keep a couple out. So I'm not going to say they were unlucky. Emma were Arsenal I'm robbed. Say, I'm going to say they could have won, but they they weren't unlucky. Emma were Arsenal robbed. And just As your um, Barcelona correspondent, I just want to say, <laughs> shit happens. <laughs> uh, don't, don't get me wrong, though. There's, we sat in, in we're sort of in that perfect Venn diagram where Arsenal are unlucky, but Barcelona deserve to win the game. Yeah. Like those, uh, I'm living in a world where those two things coexist. Yeah, they, they look, I mean, I always feel, whenever I talk to an Arsenal fan, <laughs> I don't feel bad that we beat them all the time in the knockout stages. I don't feel bad that we stole uh, Fabregas from them. <laughs> and Alex Song. I mean, yeah, and Cleb. And, and Cleb. Yeah, I was going to say, there's three future Barcelona players on this. And on then, you know, play. we got three good years out of Thierry and Ria. I don't feel bad about any of that. But um, I feel so bad and, yeah, that we actually... took their best chance of winning European competition away from Arsene Wenger. Uh, they they were unlucky because if Jerry Henry has you know woken up on the other side of the bed and you know didn't fluff his lines, it would have been a very different story. Mm. Yeah, but that's not down I to luck. I, I I would yeah. But yeah I mean yeah. Um, so in the uh, the correspondence I got from from Andy, he says that um, the whole thing set me up for an adulthood of watching Arsenal go out to Barca. <laughs> and somehow this was the least embarrassing of them all. Okay, so I was just going to talk about the aftermath of these teams. So for Arsenal, they moved into the Emirates, but Henri left a year later. It was Pires' last game. Um, Ashley Cole left that summer to Chelsea we just talked about. Uh, Dennis Bergkamp was an unused sub and retired after this game. So this is kind of tipping point for Arsenal going through their sort of years of dearth, isn't it? Do you reckon that was the end of the era of some of those players at that club? Could of that run? I think this is when this is the last good team that Arsene Wenger puts out mm. um, and this is probably the the peak of this uh, this Arsene Wenger, this team that the this is that Arsenal team that passes the ball too much and tries to walk it in that that Arsene Wenger before, after he moved on from his sort of team that was still quite bully boy and was 4-4-2 that you don't sort of think of as the latter half of his his Arsenal tenure. Yeah. Um, another, another point Andy points out is that if Arsenal 
Arsenal lose this game, and that is the the catalyst. I think the catalyst for Henry to stay. Um, so he stays another year when it was quite expected that he's going to leave at this point. And uh, Andy reckons that costs them like thirty million pounds because he gets injured next season, has some knee injuries, drives the price, gets obviously gets a year older, drives the price down, and back at the point when. Arsenal were funding a state about to start funding a stadium, and thirty million pounds was a lot more money then than it was now. But that is a a big change for the club as well. Okay, and then for Barcelona too, Emma. Um, I, see, I don't remember Frank Rijkaard doing anything. He managed after this. Sorry, he managed Barcelona until two thousand end of the two thousand seven eight season, which surprised me. And then he went to Galatasaray, and he ended up at Saudi Arabia. So you think for a man that's had such success at Barcelona, he would have been he would have had his sort of choice of the top clubs but it doesn't really go like that for him yeah I don't really know what happened to him um <laughs> isn't, the, isn't the suggestion that his um his number two was the uh the brains behind the operation I've forgotten his name and I think he leaves during during this stint was it Henkate yeah yeah I think he's supposed to be the man that gets them playing football and so but Rijkaard is very much a um, a Croatian frontman. Okay, because yeah, they lost. They got to the semi-finals of the next season, Champions League. Lost by lost to United. Yeah, we've lost to Manchester United. And then you lost four in the Clasico, didn't you? And I think he went after that, didn't he? Uh, he went. Yeah, he went at the end of the season. I think mm. he went in May anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then of course it was the dawn of the Pep era. Yeah, I was going to say because you he started to make some. Some enemy. I think he'd, st- he'd started to make some enemies even with this game, right? I can't. I tried to to look it up. I can't remember, but Messi misses this. Messi's out of this squad with a, a hamstring. Yeah, Messi and, got injured in one of the previous Champions League games. Uh, he hurt his thigh. And uh, he's he such a pity that he won't celebrate. Yeah, so he, he doesn't recovered. go on the pitch. He doesn't celebrate with everyone. Yeah. But, if I remember rightly, having read Graham Hunter's book, and I, I could be wrong, is it not a stage where Messi thinks he's fit enough to play and Rijkaard won't play it? Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, he, he got injured. He hurt his thigh against... I want to say it was against Chelsea, but I don't... It, it might not have been against Chelsea. Um, but yeah, he, he thought he'd recovered and he was named... And he wasn't named in the match day squad. He, he wasn't... He was named. I think he was in the twenty-two, but he wasn't named in the the match day squad. And yeah, he wasn't happy about it because he'd been studying the classicals and the bigger games. Uh, so yeah, I think he thought that he was fit enough to play, and you know, would have made a difference. So you've got Me- would because Messi. You've got Messi sort of starting to break through here. You've got Xavi. Um, he's already uh, established. Say that again. Yeah, why is, why is Javi not playing? Javi, he was on the bench, Ch- wasn't he? Ch- I, 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 Ch- I, I, I need you to pronounce it correctly. Javi. <laughs> yeah, Javi. Um, Pio's captain, isn't he? And then you've got Iniesta on the bench, Javi uh, on the bench. So you've got some of the old guards sticking around for a bit. Ronaldinho, Deco and Samueto still sort of stick around for a little bit. You've got these sort of younger players starting to come through. So Pep at this point, is he manager of the youth team, is he? We're yeah, starting he to see a, Pep's fingerprints a, on this first team, are we? Yeah, he was a B. Already? I yeah. thought he only have a season at Barcelona B. Yeah, it was the season before he joined the first team. So he was... In a... Yeah. So he's but not... I think he's just about to take over at B, sorry. Oh, okay. So these players coming through now, so they're sort of Piol and Chavis and Iniesta, um, they're not sort of Pep 
players. One of the, one no. of the uh, remarkable things that I didn't really notice until I actually looked at the lineups on Wikipedia, I didn't even notice it when I saw them up during the game, which when you think back to the, the pep teams that he puts out in the in his Champions League finals or anything like that, there's only three Spaniards in this team. Yeah. Yes, and club indeed. <laughs> Me S Uncut. What? <laughs> that sounded so northern. Yeah, me S Uncut. Can I do a, a um a sort of wondering here if Barcelona had lost this final? So, um, mm-hmm. if Barcelona had lost this final, would we still have seen these uh, La Masia players come through, or would we have seen Barcelona go on some sort of bank rolling of fun of sort of trying to buy top talent? Oh, I see what you said. Um, no, they. They would have come through because they were good enough. There, there was no, we wouldn't have Real Madrid at this. There was no, you know, Galactico plan. I mean, you very nearly, you very nearly Real Madrid at it because what? Messi's not, um, Xavi's not far enough away from moving to Manchester United at this point. We're better than that. (laughs) (laughs) Nies on club. (laughs) Um, yeah. Before all this, Barcelona were a very different team because we there was not a lot of uh, Catalans or Spaniards in the team because they were mainly from Holland or Brazil <laughs> or, or Argentina, Argentina. <laughs> and that was that was kind of the problem. There was a lot of infighting between the Dutch players and the Brazilian players. Oh, I don't. But I do not believe for a second that any Dutch players are Argentinian. <laughs> <laughs> No, they, they wouldn't. They, they couldn't start a fight in an empty house. They're they're really good guys. Would we have seen Pep if, um, as manager of Barcelona, had lost this final? Yeah, I think that was always going to happen. I think that was always the the grand plan for him. Okay, and then you celebrated into the Parisian night. I do not remember the next two days. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> right. Um, Emmett, it's your match. Uh, do you, uh, uh, you got a last word you want to say in this game? Um, I could have picked better finals in terms of Barcelona performance, such as the one against Manchester United at Wembley, um, which was by far the far superior um, the performance. But I mean, that is one of the best performances you'll ever see. It's probably the best football performance of all time yeah. in the major final, but. This game, it means a lot to me as a fan because this was my first Champions League final. Um, And I just moved to Paris and, you know, it was a new place. And then all of a sudden, all of my favorite things kind of came together in this city where all my friends came from Barcelona to watch the game. And my football team was here and we won and it it means a lot to me it's really special to me um and for another reason which is probably going to make me cry if i say <laughs> is that it's one of the uh last times that i spent with my father at football um because he died a few years later um and because I'd moved away when I was young to go to uh, culinary school, I didn't spend a lot of time with him. Um, and he 
he introduced me to you know being a Barcelona fan as a little girl and it means a lot to me because I didn't get to spend as much time with him as I wanted to and he loves Barcelona more than I do and seeing him so happy and getting to celebrate with him as you know not not like a kid as like more on an adult level and it, it meant the world to me oh fantastically put okay um guys anyone else got anything to say on this or do you want to have a little covid chat one last thing about this good example of a setting off not always ruining a game yes well yeah spot on i also forgot that maxi lopez was playing at barcelona so was thiago Mata. yeah when i saw the celebrations afterwards yeah <laughs> maxi lopez whatever happened to what him? a guy <laughs> yeah i think he turned out to be mario cardi's best friend for a little bit <laughs> <laughs> he did right guys um some sort of covid chat this week um so the premier league are meeting on monday after what i presume is some sort of government announcement on sunday um bundesliga is going to start back next friday i think it's a real derby next weekend as well next next saturday yeah um okay so that's starting back uh we'll be behind closed doors um and i think um six fiorentina players have come out with uh, coronavirus this week as well haven't they so that might not be happening there for a little while yeah, so Serie A, some Serie A clubs went back to training. I know Roma have, Sassuolo have, and then they've done all their testing at other clubs. So there was three Fiorentina players and three Fiorentina members staff tested positive for COVID, three Sampdoria players and a Torino player. So, so Serie A has to be cancelled. I think it, I believe, is it the, I might get the date slightly wrong, but I think it's the 25th. Is the deadline from UEFA where um, countries have to have made a decision, right? So two weeks from that—that's what 14, 15, 16, 17 days from today—they can't be in a position where where even whole teams are going to no. be negative to not have positive cases of COVID in them. So how can they possibly say that the competition can go ahead when they have ongoing? cases at the deadline in teams I don't think it'll go ahead I think there might be an announcement in the next week or two if more if more cases come up well, they've got 17 days so they've yeah. got one announcement soon are into top at the minute was it Lazio no it's Juve oh is it okay that's fine yeah. <laughs> it's, Ju- it's Juve Lazio they're neck and okay yeah I knew it was very close so I was just uh, <laughs> trying to see who'd be the most disappointed Juve that's fine but you know Upset Conte thing to a top. Why? Why would that? Why would that be fine? Because surely they're going to award trophies to these teams that win the league, right? If they were top at that point, that's you true. Get the <laughs> you appear to be saying you should get the trophy. <laughs> that's fine. I'm fine with that. It probably should be consistent, though. I don't think so. I think each league should make its own decision. Um, yeah, and like I said, there's going to be a decision made here on Monday. Um, all this talk about neutral venues. No, and... there's not going to be a decision. No, no there's first... not. <laughs> no. There's a meeting happening on Monday. Yeah. And then... There's a lot of very interesting ar- ar- articles that can be read about this. About There's a certain irony to a, a private members club that has spent 20-odd years um, moving towards, I suppose, the, the 
team, the size of teams at the top has changed, has grown slightly over time, but is very sort of big six dominated generally, and they're currently being held to ransom by the six smallest teams. People should know when they're conquered. <laughs> wow. <laughs> to quote Gladiator. Um, um, I'll be interested. I'll be interested to see how much people have actually missed watching live football when it, the behind closed doors experience is pretty grim for watching on on, on TV. Watching at home. I didn't watch well, this. We're all going to be watching the German football on next weekend, aren't we? Yeah, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. But will you the weekend after that? I, I think it's going to be a big drop off because it's just such a grim experience. I, I quite like it because I can't hear what the players say to each other. I didn't watch the sort of K League today. You, you'll get tired of that. Yeah, I didn't watch the K League on BBC Sport because I don't know any of the players or identify any of them. But I think Bundesliga would be a bit different. Watch the A League. Yeah, I know the players yeah. in the A League. Just too many letters up up to K, is it? <laughs> um, wasn't there something about in the K League about them instructing players not to shout too much? Yeah. That's okay because they're going to be, um, they're going to launch. There's an, it. Argument, there's an argument to be said that if you'll have to tell players not to shout, that maybe it's not safe for them to be on the pitch. You mean they, they were this, were they saying it not to shout for safety reasons? That's the only or because reason. or because it would be picked up by the microphones. It must be safety reasons because you can turn the microphones down. Yeah, true. No, you're right. I mean, look, I think I think at I think everybody knows at some level there shouldn't be football it shouldn't be played it's not safe it's not risk-free you could argue in some places the risk is pretty low but in most of europe there shouldn't be football i do wonder if there's any uh, governmental pressure to get it going as well to give us our bread and circuses yeah i mean and and the thing is uh, they love to say that kind of thing and i remember here 15 or well, 20 years ago after 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 9 11 uh the way the country rallied around sports <laughs> That was, I think, makes for a better headline than any sort of actual tangible, real benefit to anybody. Um, but didn't nine eleven fundamentally change the presentation of U.S. sports? Where prior to nine eleven, there wasn't this whole uh, um, flags and military personnel. Yes, France. Yeah, yeah, no. Game. Yeah, it's it's uh became inextricably entwined with displays of of patriotism and and sort of a uh and i have a brother who's who's retired navy so i've got all the respect in the world for the military but but a performative kind of uh worship of the military and that's that's in american sport now forever plus it moved the Ryder cup to be played in even years rather than odd years that's a mistake yeah that's how the terrorists won that's, yeah. when, that's, that's, when, that's when that's when both Olympics and um, and football championships happen. That can't. Yeah, wrong. exactly. Right. Right. right, that is fundamentally wrong. Yeah, Ryder Cup's all just been obvious. And it'll clash with a Copa America. Yeah, well, everything does. <laughs> uh, right, Chris. Chris you, you know, Chris. You yeah. know how I feel about exhibitions. <laughs> I, I'd be interested to know. Uh, it'd be interesting to see. The how the Premier League are watching the how Germany is going to handle the strange stem because the uh, news stories I've seen suggest that I don't know what it's been today, but when I looked yesterday, that German ca cases have been going up for the third successive day in Germany, and they're bringing they're putting football on. Now, granted, this you've got small sample sizes of people, but 
that's not right. What, what's it, well, I, I wonder what what it would take uh, to to put to pump the brakes on the whole project restart. If if for instance players, you know, more more players test positive, or there were more cases of players uh, not obeying guidelines. At what point do you, do you think that they're just hell bent on playing no matter what? I wonder if it matters as well as the status of the player because you know a Sampdoria player getting COVID is one thing. Maybe Lewandowski or Messi getting it would make people think a little bit harder about whether to restart or not. Yeah, and I was Messi speaking specifically negative. about the Premier League, <laughs> just because yeah. that, that, that the impression I get from the Premier League is that it did, there is almost no scenario by which they would not play. Yeah, I think so. Right. Um, before this goes on too long and I get another telling off, let's uh, curtail that one there. Um, right. Adam, if people want to follow you on social media, how do they follow you on Twitter? Uh, Adam, I say 101. Scott, how do they follow you? Uh, at Scott underscore Munro. You probably see more cooking stuff now. <laughs> Justin? Keepers underscore Union. Okay. And they can't follow you, can they, Emma? I suggest that they follow you, Chris. How do they follow you? <laughs> Uh, they go to at Man on the Post on Twitter and on Instagram, and you can give us a like on uh, Facebook, and uh, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, or you can uh, follow on Acast or Stitcher, um, and all our uh, future episodes will fall automatically in your inbox as and when the leagues restart. We are also producing um, sort of Championship Manager podcasts as well. Scott and Dave are doing those. Ali has restarted. Um, he's restarted. Do you mean Ross? Not what did Scott. I? Not Ross. Scott. Sorry, I was looking at you and I said it. Sorry, Ross and um, David restarted. Ali, Ali and Ryan have restarted their. Pe- <laughs> Ali and Ryan have restarted their pieces of me, whereby um, members of the pod and anybody else, if you want to get in touch, uh, pick your favourite eleven players, so long as they are retired. Uh, Chris from the Sunday Show went the other day with a rather wonderful explanation of why he picked a certain Arsenal striker, um, which is uh, well worth a listen to. Um, Emma, I believe you're going on, aren't you? Without giving any, any yes, spoilers. on Sunday, I am picking a all Barcelona 11, obviously. <laughs> Justin, do you fancy go at this? Yeah, I'll do that. Cool, okay. Is Emma, is Julian Valletti at right back for this goal? <laughs> Don't, no spoilers, no spoilers. You're not allowed. I'll, I'll tell you after recording. Okay. Uh, right, guys, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. No worries. And always keep your man on the post. <laughs>